Today, I've got a gift for you. It's an it's a conversation, really, with a dear friend of mine, Yvonne Bryant Johnson. She is a she is a leader who I have great respect for, but she is a self-proclaimed militant and entrepreneur. What a combination. This conversation took place for the high-tech prayer breakfast and high-tech ministries as we were talking for what it means to be an ambassador for Christ in the workplace. She shares some stories that are just amazing. So please join me and Yvonne as we continue our conversation. But I have an executive coaching training and consulting business, and I've had it for about 22 years. And I started it after leaving AT&T, where I was a branch manager in sales. And I also started developing ran a call center for our um, very large clients. So I've worked with a lot of every customer you can imagine in Atlanta. And it's been uh, a joy. And I've kept relationships with them. So when I came out and started my own business, I kept a lot of those same customers. And I do love my customers. I love what I do. And I become friends with them. You know, because I'm just, I'm just who I am. I don't pretend to be something else. And I get to know them. And, uh, you know, at at and I'm going to go back to at and I had this branch manager who knew I loved the Lord. And I used to go to Bible studies there. It was this, I don't even remember the name of the group, but there were a group of men that would meet at a restaurant. And then they told me I needed to find a women's group, but there was not one. So they kept inviting me. It's sort of like high-tech ministries. But that branch manager had a great impact on me because I knew that you could talk about God in the workplace. And so that was uh, been a very big part of my life. Well, that was your first exposure of it. That yeah. would have been, that what was, year was, how, was, how, how long ago? It was in the 80s before. No uh, kidding. Before. Yes, his name was Guy Wilson. He was my branch manager. And uh, we would meet at, it was on Camelton Road. I can't even remember the name of the restaurant. But we would meet there and we had Bible study and it was just wonderful. And what was his what was his message? How did he demonstrate that early on? I'll tell you, for those of you who don't know, you know, going back into the 80s, you know, there was probably maybe one book that was written on integrating your faith and your work. OK, and that's how early on. So for you to say that this this man uh, had this sort of message to you, do you remember what? what the message was uh, early back back then, because he didn't have a lot of support for it. <laughs> no, we didn't have a lot of support. It was almost like a secret society. You know, we wouldn't, we didn't meet in the building. We met in a restaurant. Therefore you could not say we were doing something wrong, but did he was, ever bring up, did he ever bring up the Lord at work? Did it ever did, come up? Yeah, We all did. You know, there were people, there were some bold people, especially from the Black Baptist churches who didn't care who you were. One lady okay. was Gwen Baskin, and she was just sold out for Christ. She's passed away, but she always talked about her faith. But the message I want to bring today is, is that even though I was that sold out and I've been going to church forever, if you don't keep it up, you know, if you stop going to church, if you start reading your Bible, if you stop being around Christians, Bad stuff sneaks in and you go away. You you, you can do why something. Do you, okay, so if that's the message that, if, yeah, if that's the message that came to you, then what's the experience that gave you that message that made it so that's important what, to you? I grew up as a um, Christian and I would go to church all the time. I always liked 
large Baptist churches. And that's why I ended up at First Baptist of Atlanta with Dr. Stanley, because I, the, the ceremony and everything about the Baptist church I loved. And we grew up wealthy and I went to private school. It was Oglethorpe Elementary School. Everybody who had a name in Atlanta went there. And at eight years old, my father died and we lost every, everything, okay? And my mother became a 24-hour-a-day um, worker. She worked, got jobs. And she had me, I was eight. My sister was five. Another sister was three. Another sister was two and then six months old. So I had to become the leader of the family. And I took on leadership roles after that everywhere I could go. <laughs> and I felt there was such injustice that my dad built this house. He had patents. He was called Mr. Bryant. And we could look, he had restaurants and we could lose everything and become poor. And I know I would pretend I lived someplace else because I was so ashamed of where we had to move to, which was on Simpson Road, which is now called. Why did you feel, why did you feel like this was an injustice? How could somebody yeah. have everything and then lose it? Where, where did it go? Eight, an eight-year-old child is asking this question. Oh, why I see. Okay. No, why is my mother no longer at home but working all day and night? Yeah. And I mean, so, so your bad. your life took a 180-degree turn is what uh, happened. More like 360 is what it felt like. But you know <laughs> what it did? It brought out other skills because I became a leader of the family. Yeah. And I became, I always thought I would, could be in charge of anything. And, you know, that's good and bad. So I always ran for student government offices. I was uh, student government vice president at my high school. And because they wouldn't let a woman, female, be president, that's the only reason I wasn't president. And I used to always tell the person I uh, lost to as president, I was vice president. It's only because you are male, you know. <laughs> and then we, we became really good friends. And I was student it sounds like president. something that you would do. Uh-huh. Student government right. yeah. is known to be, she can get in your face. Well, it's it's good to know that it started way back then, okay? Except I can't get in my children's faces because they don't play that with me. You know, it's, <laughs> That's because I, you overplayed it. That's why. <laughs> they, but I'm really a nice person, you know, but I don't like injustice. And the things that will keep me, like tonight, I'm going to think about that baby in your house tonight, you know, because I think about things like that. And, you know, I was going to church all the time, but in seeking answers, I became a militant. I mean, I was part of the group that took over the building at Morehouse. You know, we locked the trustees up. We made them say, Black Power, may I go to the bathroom? We had Rockefellers in there. And if you know Samuel L. Jackson, the actor, he will tell you he was in there. Well, I really was in the main building making negotiations. But since he is Samuel L. Jackson, he can say whatever he wants to. He was. You were, so this is when you were probably like 19, 20 years old? 20, when I was student government president at Spelman. At Morehouse? Spelman. Spelman. Spelman, yeah. Okay. We'll give you a tour. Spelman is the female. Morehouse is the male college. But they were having a board of trustees meeting at Morehouse. And okay. So Morehouse men and the Spelman women went and took over the building. And we locked the trustees in the building. We had demands. And this was... 1969, we had a lot of demands. And my mother was so mad at me. She said, you're going to go to jail. But I did not go to jail. Okay, so that was the start of my being a militant. And I went from being a militant to organizing communities to being an Orthodox Muslim. Now, you're going to ask me, how did that happen? And that's why the reason I'm telling you to stick with the Bible study, stick with people that are like-minded and those who aren't, but make sure you let people know what you believe in. 
because they're going to let you know what they believe in. And it's real important that we let people know. I don't I'm not. But it sounds to me like when you got into college Mm -hmm. that appeared to you that uh, these were not appeared to you. But the impact was, is that the Muslim community had more of an impact. They believed more than you believed. No, no. At Spelman, I was definitely Christian because we had to go to chapel. No, our whole school for Christ was the motto of the school. What was it? Our our whole school for Christ. That's the that was the motto of Spelman. That yes, still something. Okay, so how did you how did you go off? How did you then get so graduated to the Nation of Islam? Okay, so I it was the Nation of Islam. There were Orthodox Muslims. There's a big difference. So I left there and went to D.C. to Johns Hopkins Graduate School. Okay. And when I was there, I was organizing communities. And I was a real militant. Then I, when I came back to Atlanta, we ran into some Muslims. And they were doing a lot of community work. That didn't last long because I'm not, I couldn't take on that role as somebody who had been a leader to not being a leader because I'm a female. And I'm not saying that's what all Muslims are like. They're not, they are still some of my best friends. But you know, from there- What is it, but what actually made you get to to accept this sort of orthodox, okay? They they played five times a day. They prayed five times a day. Right. They they believed you had to give up. You had to dress that way. You had to cover yourself completely, right? Except for your eyes. I did. And I was trying to work at AT AT&T. And I remember this manager told me, he said, you're the best salesperson we have. But if you're going to wear that head wrap, at least you need to get a a car, a convertible to keep your, you know, he was just crazy. But, you know, but they, because I was good in my work. The good old days. Hey, you can say anything, but I'm telling those are kind of things that are kind of me. <laughs> and um, my mother would tell my sisters, do not ask her if she's hot. My mother was like my big advocate. Or if I would go to the house and sneak some pork, eat pork, she would say, do not say anything. Act like you don't see it. My mother was my big supporter because those were all things you weren't supposed to do. And, you know, I love the people there. The people were caring. So those are the things that I love. But, you know, I I knew that what I believed in was more, was different. And so my sister and I went on a journey and we started going back to church. But on the way to church, we stopped off at Scientology. So I got into Scientology. And, uh, yeah, child has heard these stories. And I stayed there for a minute. I'm like, you know, I'm really not. I'm really not into this. And then we went to the Pentecostal church. We tried to become Pentecostal. We went to the church that was in a tent in Decatur, uh, where New Birth is now, my sister and I. We tried a lot of stuff. And then a lot of people kept talking about Dr. Stanley. So my sister and I said, well, let's just go check this man out. And so we stayed at First Baptist a long time. We were in Bible study. I was on this whole path that you went through here, this discovery path. This through your late 20s or early 20s? When was this? I was 30 something then. I wasn't, you know. Okay. So why why was why having been through Spelman where what was the what was the motto again at Spelman? A whole school for Christ. A whole school for Christ. Yet you go through this period in your life where Jesus isn't enough. Or you maybe didn't know Jesus. Um, that's the difference. I wouldn't say Jesus wasn't enough because that's what I always say to me, because no matter what what I were you mean, looking for? What were you looking for? Justice, uh, equality. That's what we locked the trustees up for. We wanted to make some change. I wanted to make a change and a difference in the lives of people. I wanted people who were hungry to be fed. 
I yeah, want to. I can't. I can't uh, but I'm. I can't connect. I know you probably cannot connect. I wasn't connecting either. I wouldn't have done all exactly. of it. Well, I'm just understanding. I can't connect what this what this um, wanderlust was. You know, for finding the right religion, so to speak. Okay. You know why that? Connect that to the justice. You know, the social justice and everything. I don't get it. Okay, so. If you have pain, people seek different outlets for pain. They can seek alcohol. They can seek drugs. I sought organizational change, organizations that can make a difference oh, in the lives okay. of people. Okay. Okay. And I yeah, didn't yeah. see a lot of the churches doing that. But, you know, these groups, were, they give you a message to make you think they're going to make a difference. And they don't. And so well, why did Charleston, why did Charles Stanley, why did that stick with you? You walk in those doors, you stayed there for a few couple of couple of decades or more. I stayed there a long time. We went, we went to every Bible study, we went to everything. Dr. Stanley will always say, I have seven points. And get your pen and paper out. <laughs> and you write down those seven points. And always seven. Well, how did he satisfy this need for you? Because it he answered questions. Of, I, I learned a lot about the Bible and what God meant. And Dr. Stanley said one time, and I will never forget this. He said his mother told him, Charlie, if God tells you to run through a wall, you see that brick wall, you keep running because when you get there, it will be open for you. <laughs> there will be an opening. And he taught me so much. And I never thought I would leave there, but I learned a lot at Dr. Stanley's church from Dr. from Charles Stanley and Andy. Uh, uh, and then, you know, another thing that stopped my searching was I went to a Bible study that Emma Morris led, uh, and it was in Buckhead. And Emma, I learned so much from Emma Morris. I'm telling you, and she's with high tech. If you all don't know Emma, she was on the board. And uh, she would talk about colors, what colors meant in the Bible. She had us get all the different kind of books. And she really taught me a lot. And I thank her. I mean, she was next to Dr. Stanley. She was one of the best teachers ever. I mean, she was excellent. And what she was taught the greatest lesson that you learned from her. What did you take away when you think back? That in the Bible, everything means something. Colors mean something. Okay. And everything meant something. And she knew everything. And she made you want to study. Mm. And she had a big heart. And she was the thing, too. Uh, she was a businesswoman. So I could really relate to her. She's a great, I want to say it. She was assertive, just like I am. And I could identify with her. And, you know, I was inviting everybody to the Bible study. And she got me straight one day. She said, Yvonne, let me just tell you what we're trying to do here in high tech. We're trying to get leaders in here. People. <laughs> Because I was pulling everybody and she said, we want leaders because leaders in business will make a difference for the whole company. There she you go. said, you need to get that, you know, and it's just like, um, you know, this is something, by the way, that's missed by a lot of the people that are joining high tech now. But, you know, the original prayer break was was really called the Atlanta executive. High tech prayer breakfast. You know, Bill's vision was to bring in leaders to be table hosts because they had influence. So she's just repeating what she was hearing on the board. OK, but go ahead. I just wanted to give that. Uh, and, and you just mentioned Bill Leonard. Let me say this about Bill. I remember when I was chosen to be the local speaker in 2004 with uh, um, Pat uh, Gelsinger was the main speaker. And I had and we practiced. And I had never seen anyone 
put as much work into preparing for a prayer breakfast as the people at high tech. Mm. I, I got to tell you all, it was like, are they serious? And, you know, I had to write it out. I had to go over it. And then I had the nerve to get some books from Bill Leonard and pass them out. And Bill said, did you read that book? I said, no, you, you gave it to me. So I'm giving books away. He said, don't ever give a book away you haven't read. <laughs> and I got to say, that, that, that meant a lot to me. I mean, Bill probably doesn't know since 2004. I say that all the time. Don't give somebody a book you haven't read yourself. <laughs> and, and it meant a lot to me. But that preparation helped me to always want to be that great in preparing for something that represented our Lord and Savior. I mean, it was... Intense. Did it seem odd to you when you met with uh, Emma? Emma was all about workplace ministry. I mean, all about it, right? Was that sort of a, when you started coming to her Bible study, was that something that was completely new to you? That, you know, as a seeing work and your, and your uh, peers within work as your mission field? You know, not really because of the guy that was Guy, Guy Wilson at uh, Bell South when I was when it was Bell South. And he was the same way. But, you know, I'll tell you the thing about Emma. Dr. Stanley always said, don't be lukewarm. You either strongly for or you against. And she was just like the way I feel. You got if you are passionate about something, doggone to let people know it. Be passionate about it. And that was Emma. You knew where Emma stood. She was not lukewarm about anything. Okay, now take me from, so you had this great background. You had Guy, was that his name? Guy Wilson? Guy, yes. Guy, G-U-I, right? Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Guy. I'm, and you should had, know how to understand Southern by now, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> Reggie Campbell used to say to me, I don't care how long you're here, you're here Charlie, you will never be a Southerner. Okay, that's what he and, told me. And, and I used to work with Reggie. That's how small the world is. Yeah, I'm used to people being in my face. You, him, Rusty. I got a whole group that's in my face, which keeps me straight. Kathy, all right. But the uh, but what I was saying is, guy was guy moved you along. Mm-hmm. Um, Doctor Stanley moved you along. Okay, but influence in your life, and Emma was a great influence in your life. When did all of that become yours? Tell me your story now, as you brought that forward brought these these mentors and their teaching into the workplace. How did you apply that? Okay, let me just say that the biggest mentors in my life, those were my family members who made sure that I went to church, Mm. who said no matter how hard things are, God will make a way. I mean, it doesn't matter what's happening in my life. Like when I broke my hip, I knew God was going to take care of that. It doesn't matter the outcome if you just go through it with God. You know, just like this morning, I'm like, what does God have planned for me now? And that came from my family. You know, we don't get down, depressed and out because we know it's all about God. Even when I went through all those things, Marxism, Leninism, there was something that Stalin said that he couldn't explain, apply or something. I'm like, see, God can. God can explain everything. So even though I went through all these things, God never left my heart and I never stopped loving God. I was just acting What's out. What's interesting with you is you never stopped trusting God. Oh, never. I mean, that's how can you live without trusting God? Because things are going to get bad. Yeah. going to get great. You know, I mean, when I came out of AT&T, I can tell you financially a hard time I had and, and not being able to get work because people thought I had it all. And I, I remember people saying, you don't need any help. I, just because I'm a happy person 
does not mean I don't need work, <laughs> you know. And so I have uh, prayed and my children would tell you I'm the happiest, even if I'm broke, or if I have plenty of money, I'm the same. I'm just not going to let all this stuff get me down because God is in charge. Yeah. So tell me somebody that you had an impact on that actually you maybe you heard later that they came to Christ because of you or, you know, they they came back to you and just thanked you. You know, can you tell me a story like that? There are a lot. This isn't being I'm not bragging, but a lot of people tell me that. And I was working with a young lady recently and, and we had been working virtually and we met in person. And she said, I called my mama and told her you look like a Christian lady. And I was, you know, I didn't know if that was a compliment, or, but I took it as a compliment because you want to look like a Christian lady. And yeah. um, I think it was the way I treated people in that meeting. And because I do love people and I'm real direct too, but I'm direct, but they also know I have kindness. And mm-hmm. so there have been a, a number of people who have just um, called me who will work for me and thank me and it doesn't have to be that they say you took me to Christ, but they have thanked me for being kind and caring and loving. And I get that in my feedback in the training that I do. And um, just at this prayer breakfast this year, uh, my neighbors, my neighbor, I invited my neighbor who is Jewish and he couldn't come. So one of his people from his company came and she actually, you know, signed a card, you know, and asked for more. And I'm just thankful when I know that I can make a difference in people's lives. And and a lot of people have told me that. So I'm just grateful and thankful. And the biggest compliment was when my youngest daughter asked me to be her coach. You don't know how to, if you got children, you know, that's a big deal. If your child is a big deal. And I actually asked her, are you sure? Uh, Is that what you, (laughs) but it was, uh, that's been one of the biggest blessings uh, in my life is to get asked that and to see my children love the Lord and to be able to talk freely about God uh, to anybody, you know, mm-hmm. anybody, because what can they do to me? You know, I'm serious. At, at this age, I'm like, okay, bring it on. What do you want to know? Do you incorporate, like you're going to be talking, giving a presentation, I think uh, you said after this with some yes. businesses at the, uh, at the airport that are doing business down there, some business leaders will, uh, will, Christ come up in that conversation at all? Will God come up in that conversation at all that you're going to have with them? Now, what I do is I tell people the organizations I belong to and that I support and high tech ministries is one of them. And that's a really pleasant way to talk about what you do and what you believe in. That's good. Okay. Good tip. All right. Well, thank you so much.